Uh, what's our intro? Your intro is hello oh, yeah. and welcome to Better Than <laughs> What do you mean, what's our intro? I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to remember things. Hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast. It is episode nine. We are talking about Espadare Street by Ian Banks, not Ian M. Banks, Ian Banks. Uh, I'm Ryan, and uh, across from me is my fellow host, co-host, consort. Co-host is fine. Hey, what's going on, Ryan? How are you today, bud? I'm good. That's good. Yes, Ian Banks, a very fancy way of spelling Ian. We got an extra I in there just to kind of give it that little, oh, like that's the equivalent of holding a pinky up whenever you're... Sipping tea? Yeah, something like that. It's just a little extra emphasis in there. But yes, not to be confused with Ian M. Banks, science fiction writer who's the same guy, but it's just, he just uses a different a different way of going about it. So yes, welcome to Better the Bookshelf. Very excited. We're going to get our episode going here pretty soon. We're going to give you a, a little uh, plot summary about this week's book. We're going to talk to you about Ian Banks a little bit. Um, we have a little bit of an interesting thing special about this book that we'll get to after that, just kind of the way that we both uh, went about yeah. reading the book or, or getting through the book this week. Um, we'll talk about whatever questions we have, whatever discussion, ideas, things that popped in our mind, and then we'll finish it off with our patented three-tier, four-tier, if you're counting, getting rid of it, five-tiers, if you're counting, just burning it like uh, you Man. would do for Asimov, apparently. And, yeah. Uh, then we'll tell you about what we got for uh, next episode. So, And uh, this is the point where we should just have the disclaimer that uh, if you haven't read the book, uh, you should go read the book because the conversation is not going to make much sense if you haven't read the book. So reading's good. That's why you're here, I assume. So go buy it. Reading go is read good. It. Go read it. All right. Plot summary. So Espadare Street by Ian Banks. Espadare Street is a story about Daniel Weir, member of 70s fictional supergroup Frozen Gold. Depressed and considering suicide, but eventually changing his mind, we are presented with his life story in an effort to let us understand who he is. It's a little bit lengthier than some of our other ones. It's, I like the ones that are like one sentence, like this is a book been, about a guy. There haven't been any that are ones. That's very reductionist. If it's just, you know, every book could be, every book we could say, you know, it's one sentence. Yeah. But it's not quite a, not quite a plot summary. It's more of just a. That would be like a plot sneeze. Yeah, I think my plot summary, if I were going to have a plot sneeze, would be, this is a book about an ugly guy who makes a lot of money playing music. Man lives in cathedral it, it lives with in a, a lives in a folly. Yeah, so which, tell us, so yeah, let's, let's, let's get into the author. Tell us about Ian Banks. This was your choice, and this was, yes. uh, this was again, we'll backtrack to kind of the background for this. This was a recommendation or, or some recommendations while you were uh, overseas in Europe. You yep. were kind of wanting to get a little bit something different that maybe isn't as, uh, you know, a big over here as far as the following goes. And this this book and author definitely fit in that category. We both had kind of a hard time, like, actually even trying to find yeah. physical copies of this book. And we both had to resort to different means of that. But, yeah, yeah. so this was an interesting little step outside of, I guess, our normal procedure on this for sure so you know i i again if you didn't listen to the episode uh spent some time in scotland in edinburgh specifically and uh wandered into a a bookstore that was it was a cool place and i can't remember the name of it uh right now um maybe i'll i'll uh i'll throw something on twitter about it but um 
this whole place from literally the carpet all the way to the top of the ceiling was just bookshelves full of books. Even the archways like over doors were bookshelves. And I mean, you just, it it was everywhere. So anyway, I just, I just asked the guy like, Hey, uh, I would like to find like a quintessential Scottish writer. That's, you know, not well known, but that, you know, should be modern or whatever. And, uh, he made a whole laundry list and this is, this is one that, uh, sort of stood out for him. And then talking to some of my other friends that, that lived over there, this was kind of a, sort of a no brainer. Yeah. Um, so Ian Banks is from, from Scotland born, um, in, uh, in Fife, which is just North of Edinburgh. There's mm-hmm. like a, a channel or a, a bay really, um, just north and fife is is on the other side the kingdom of fife uh is, is what they call fife. it yeah because awesome. you know they have all the like tribal stuff sure uh yeah. you know in their history so it was, and everything. yeah it was the uh it was the kingdom of fife but uh yeah so we we alluded to it uh ian banks published under two names ian banks and ian m banks uh the uh the m is for his middle name that his uh his father forgot uh to include on his birth certificate so his his, like his name was supposed to be m but the m is actually a common family name and and when we were in scotland we went to uh doers um the aberfeldy uh distillery and on the way out there we we passed um a castle that belonged to this this family and i'm gonna spell it and then you tell me how how you think it's it's said um it is spelled it's very simple actually M E N Z I E S. Uh, Menzies, like Mackenzie's, but you just take out the Menzies. Yeah, it, that's what you would think, right? Okay, what is it? Mingus. 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 If I was going to say Mingus, it would be M I N G U S, but. Yeah. Okay. Mingus. I, I, I learned that. So when I saw it, I was like, yes, I get to say Mingus. Mingus. Uh, I, lo- I learned a thing while we were there. So any rate, uh, that's what the M stands for. And he used it when he was publishing. He used the M when he was doing science fiction yeah. and dropped it when he was doing, uh, I guess, non-science fiction. He did a lot of other other things. Uh, but I thought that was interesting. Um, so his first book that he published was The Wasp Factory. Factory. I don't know why I had problems Factory. saying it. So it's a pretty normal word. Factory. Uh, Mangus. You were thinking about Mangus again. I, I, was, I was. I was pretty excited. Factorous. Uh, so he, he published that in 1984. Uh, Espadare Street is his third book. Um, so he was able to become you know, a full-time writer after, uh, after the Wasp Factory. Um, but before he did, he, you know, he worked normal jobs. He worked mm-hmm. at like IBM. I think he worked at a steel company. Um, so that he had time to, uh, to write in the, in the evenings. Um, he, uh, basically wrote like a book a year when he, when he started out, his publisher kind of, kind of challenged him to do that, which, which I thought was, uh, a lofty goal, but it's he, pretty he, impressive. he did it for the first, you know, I don't know, five books or so. Uh, he basically cranked him out until like the early to mid nineties. And then he had a few years separation as he got into, uh, some other stuff, but, um, he did, he's never won like a, you know, a big, big, like literary award, a Pulitzer mm-hmm. or anything like that. He's, he's won a ton of like science fiction awards. Uh, he's regularly regarded as, you know, one of the, the most influential, um, British writers, uh, since 1945. I think that's actually a list of like top 50 writers since 1945. He's yeah. on there. Um, 
And uh, there, was, there were a couple other notable things. So he uh, was honored by the Science Fiction Book Club uh, that's based in London. And they gave him the title of Acting Honorary Non-Executive Figurehead present, President-Elect Pro Tem Trainee. That's a wonderful title. Yeah, and uh, made him a T-shirt. If you go on his, on the Wikipedia page, there's a and it has the full thing on there. Yeah, it's oh. it's a whole. It just it says Mr. President real big, and then it's got everything else like uh, to the side and below. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, but also, uh, Elon Musk uh, named uh, three now of the SpaceX uh, vehicles after. Uh, things to do with his books oh um, wow yeah so uh it's an th- interesting I thought, connection i thought that was that hmm. was kind of interesting um I, is elon musk he's from south africa yeah so i, I, don't, I know. don't know maybe he just he just really liked the guy uh but then he uh he passed away in, in 2013 he mm-hmm. had uh he had an inoperable uh form of cancer and um at the time uh he'd been in a relationship i guess for seven years um, and, uh, he asked his, uh, his girlfriend at the time, uh, to marry him. And he did it by saying, do me the honor of becoming my widow. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and that was, that was literally, I, I guess the, well, uh, the same time he found out it was terminal and sure. then, uh, three months before, before having, he died. well, have now having read his book, I can kind of, I guess, understand a sense of humor that makes a little bit of a little bit more sense than if you were just sort of coming into it, not necessarily having a look at his uh, his sense of humor yeah. as much. So, and then one other little tidbit uh, is that uh, Gary Lloyd, um, who is, as far as I can tell, as an American of no notoriety, uh, but is is a composer of of some sort, he uh, got together with Ian Banks to actually write uh, some songs. Uh, in tribute to Frozen Gold. Oh, um, yeah. I could not find any. I, I I looked for a solid hour this afternoon, couldn't find a thing. That would have been great. Yeah, I again, the, the book we read, Espadere Street, it was also made into like a little uh, mini serial for BBC Radio back in the yeah. earlier, mid-90s, and Banks wrote a lot of the music that was used in that as well, and so that would have been interesting. Couldn't Couldn't find that. I know it's buried out there somewhere, but we maybe need to do a little bit more diligent work finding that, so... Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised um, that this hasn't been made into a feature film. I I kind of felt got the impression that like the Coen Brothers did that movie um, Inside Lewin Davis, yeah, and uh, that to me like would be sort of the vein like I could see this movie existing. Yeah, in. like artistically and kind of in, in the same style. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I mean the story like through and through is just it's ready for somebody to go, to no, I go think turn it, to a screenplay. I think it would be a very easy convert from that. Yeah. So I was a little bit disappointed that, that they haven't done that, but I don't know, maybe maybe somebody'll will jump on it. I don't know. I think again like it's, you know, uh, the fact that this book, you know, wasn't uh, super accessible over here, just wasn't seemingly as popular. His work isn't as popular over here. It's it is a bit surprising, just because it seems like, uh, having read this, you know, I haven't read anything else from him. But like in anything that I've read, as far as reviews of his of his other works, that it's it's gotten equally high praise as this. And spoiler alert: at the end of the episode, I'm gonna like the book. So. <laughs> You know, that that to me is just like, oh, you know, it's one of those things where it's he's maybe not like a, a hidden, you know, secret, but it's just for yeah. some reason hasn't hasn't translated or made its way fully over here. Because, I mean, this book was published in, what, 87? 
Yeah. So it's, I mean, we're going on 31 years of, you know, this book being out there and I had never, I never sniffed, you know, a word about it. And, no. But I'm glad that you picked it up or yeah. at least suggested it for us. I but mean, my, my original plan was to physically pick it up, but I could not find a copy of it. And so like you alluded to, we had to go to alternative means we to had, read this. We had to improvise. So when we were going in, you know, looking at the books, typically we'll pick a book. And we, if it's, if it's one that we have, that's maybe something that we put away to read. Great. We have it. And you know, the others, we either go to, a, you know, a local bookstore or we get on Amazon or order it. And uh, when we were looking at this book, it was the the soonest we could get a copy was like a month plus in advance, which doesn't really work because we do kind of two weeks in between when we pick the book and read it and record on it. So we needed something a little bit more, you know, right then and there. And we didn't want to push it off because, I, you know, you you'd thrown this book out there and I thought that the premise sounded interesting and I wanted to get into it. So we kind of had to resort (laughs) to more. uh, more tech savvy means. So you got the Kindle edition of it yeah. to read. Watch. I read it or watched it. I read is, it on my, my paper, which is kind of sacrilege. If we think about it, if this is a book podcast, yeah, but uh, we'll, we'll let it slide this time. I too got the, uh, the Kindle version. Unfortunately though, I don't have like an actual e-reader. So I was just reading it on my phone Yeah, and I couldn't do it, man. I really? Just, like I, I was too small. No, it's just, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Like I can't really engage as well as, as weird as that sounds. Maybe I'm yeah. just being like a snob, like I like print. No, we, we've said that. Me. We've said that before, but yeah, so I got about two chapters in and couldn't really do it. And so I went to an old standby of mine that I use for a lot of nonfiction books that, uh, I read and that is audible. So I got okay. the audio book okay. of this, which was actually interesting because it was read by someone, I guess, who, you know, at least understood a lot more of the, of the dialect. So, you know, I could have seen myself going through and like just looking at a lot of these like dialogue that was, you know, it's very regional, you know, it's very like that regional area in Scotland that, you know, it's kind of foreign to me as far as pronunciations like Mingus and things like that. (laughs) But so I got the audio book of it and it was, it was really strange at first because normally when I listen to uh, nonfiction books or anything, really it's, it's kind of, a background like yeah, I'm absorbing yeah. it but it's not like my primary focus I'm like working out or I'm like doing chores around the house or um like I'm about to sleep and I just kind of want to put it on and listen to a chapter or two sure. or whatever and so it was really weird um in this that I would like put it on in my living room on my bluetooth speaker and I would just like sit on my couch and chill out and just like listen to the book it was a really it was a really strange experience and I think it led to I guess a different way of approaching this episode than I normally would because normally we've you know beforehand when I read the book spoiler alert this is what I do whenever we go out and I'll (laughs) read the book you know there are questions initially that kind of pique my interest that I'll like kind of jot down on a piece of paper or something but sure whenever it gets time when we're about to have the episode and and go in and do this you know I like to go back through and flip through the books maybe things that I've kind of like bookmarked or rabbit eared and, and sort of write it down collect my thoughts put out kind of like an outline of the things that I'm thinking just to kind of I don't know, have everything in one place for, for reference when we're kind of talking about all this. Yeah. And I couldn't really do that as effectively with this. I could, you know, go back and kind of bookmark things in a way, um, but not as well. So the thing, though, that I think worked really well about this book as far as having it done through the audiobook for me was that this book is insanely quotable in a sense that it has, it has a lot of moments throughout the book um, and we'll get into yeah, know, the meat yeah. of it and the timeline and stuff, but just kind of a beforehand. There's a lot of moments in this book where you'll just kind of have this these like interjections of uh, 
of like feelings or, or thoughts or things that are just like put just kind of like it's like like just kind of a little concise paragraph or, yep. or something that's thrown in there. And it's done so extremely well that so like throughout the whole process of of just taking in this book, all of this, like I would st- I would always be like, I would listen to it and I'd be like, oh, 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 oh. I'd have to like get up and stop it, and like back it up and listen to it again and put a little little bookmark thing on there and just sure, like, sure. That was great. So I have a bunch of those that we can we can get into later because I want I want to I want to get your thoughts on some of these. They're not really the questions, but I, just some of these passages I want to read through because I think a lot of them kind of deal with the themes of the book in a way yeah. that that's a little bit. You know, it's it's still digestible, but yeah, this was interesting because this was our first kind of venture outside of the normal. Just yeah, you know, we go get a paperback and just pour through it. You know, I'll I'll say as far as like reading it on the actual Kindle, like um, one of the things that that I I was frustrated with when I went on vacation, I only took um, Plot Against America when we were reading it, right? And then I took. Um, I took one other book, which I gave to to one of our friends with the intent of, of so much blue. I, I took that because yeah. he sort of the same thing with with Ian Banks. He can't get Percival Everett over there as, as easily as we can, which is not easy here either. Um, but at any rate, um, so I, I, I took a physical copy and I ran out of stuff to read and I was writing while we were over there. And so like I was just like I, I ran out of stuff and I really liked how accessible this was. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you can read literally anything, I mean, pretty much that, that you would want to. So I, I appreciated that. Like, I disliked it less than I remembered. Um, I actually bought uh, All the Light on this years ago, and I forgot about it till I loaded it back up and turned yeah. it on, and I looked at my library, and I had gotten, like, 15% through it. And uh, I was like, oh, that's why I never finished that book in the first place is that I hated the Kindle on Kindle. Yeah. But um, like there were some there were some nice things. It was really nice just being able to like pick it up and like, you know, start from where you where you left off. Um, I I didn't uh, you know, you get the percentage complete on there and you can switch out like, you know, time to end of the chapter or whatever. And I messed with some of that just, you know, because I thought we might talk about it to sort of just review it and. It just doesn't like for me take the place of like being able to physically look at a book sure. and like that satisfaction of it's like mowing your lawn, right? Like uh, I, you don't have a lawn, I guess, but like when I've, you, I've, you, I've, I mow my mom's lawn, okay, okay there yeah. you go. But like there, there's something nice about like when the lawn looks like shit by the time you're done, like you know, you it looks know great. You've, you've got the something. smell, the freshly cut grass smell. It's just a very satisfactory, yeah, like satisfactory overall feeling. But yes. but I get this sort of same like satisfaction looking at when I get toward the end of, or the middle of a book, and I'm sure. like, I've made it this. Far far um and i don't know so kindle great for accessibility also great for keeping the lights off in the in the bedroom when your wife is sleeping and you want to read late uh, you get which, a little bit of backlit yeah on it. She, like she doesn't mind when i leave the uh the light on to read physical books but i always feel like an asshole um so that was nice not being not being an asshole um but yeah i i think it's an it's a nice thing to fall back on for stuff like this well but we need it i'm not gonna not make, a not gonna make an effort to to uh, start reading on it regularly, yeah. and but that's vacation, why, and I that's might. why I was super thoughtful. And before we get into spoilers for our next book, I went ahead and brought you an extra copy that I picked up. So we've got those. And ready I appreciate to go. that. I yeah. appreciate that. So let's get into this book. Let's yes. talk about Espadare Street. Uh, I want to hit on something real quick because you sure. kind of mentioned it earlier. Just the idea of like a movie adaptation, mm-hmm. and you know, I didn't really think about it. The movie that I was kind of thinking of when I was thinking of this book that that I was like, oh, that's kind of like if I was thinking in the vein of it. Of, of relating it to a movie because I, I do like to take you know books that I read and maybe try to relate it to like other forms of media sure, whether sure. it's music or movies 
but I got a lot of like moments that kind of felt like almost famous um, just because yeah. there is that, at, see that at the core of this book. Um, it is, it's, you know, it really is about, it, it really is about Daniel, but there are a lot of moments that it seems like it's one of those, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll type seventies, like oh, yeah. rock journalism, rock documentary, like kind of feel to it, which is cool. Um, and I thought going into this book that it was going to be much more of that. And it really, yeah. I was surprised that it wasn't because of, and we just have a knack for picking these type of books with these just kind of disjointed or, or multiple timelines that kind of work together yep. interspersed. So, I mean, the whole premise, I mean, we set up this whole book and we get into it. And, you know, the very opening passage is it's Daniel's talking about how, you know, he decided that he wanted to kill himself. Literally, then, the first sentence literally is two days ago, I decided to kill myself sure. or I wanted to kill myself. Yeah, and he goes into these details of how he could do it. And then eventually he kind of concludes that he doesn't want to do it. And then we're kind of left to be filled in on this on this kind of thought process. It's, it is, it is, there are elements where it's kind of like a, here's my life story, like a chronological thing. But in a lot of ways, the way that it's written, um, and the way that the two, the two narratives, when we're talking about, you know, the last few days and present time for Mm -hmm. his life in this, in this kind of moment of him going through this process of, I'm thinking about killing myself and then I'm not, Yeah, we get those intermixed with, uh, you know, his background and all of his time with throws of gold and, and it's it's done in a way that it's I don't know it's it's less about it's less about kind of like this journey and more just sort of a you just you just it's it's a book about you know this whole like emotional just like regret and and just kind of I don't know this like weird not longing but just yeah. I don't know. It was weird whenever I first started reading this book because it was like, oh, yeah, he's this like aging rock star. And I was like, oh, he's like he was like 31. That was he ended my, up being yeah. 31. And yeah. I was like, oh, that was that was a weird turning point for me that it was like, oh, man, it's you know, it's it's it, the the way that it's kind of set up. You think that it's just going to be this like, oh, he's in like his 50s or 60s or right, whatever. That was he's what had I this just like long life. And it's like, no, he's like 31. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought it was an interesting um, premise. It was a little bit. I, I, I didn't expect it to be more focused on just kind of like thoughts and feelings and just these these just dealing with uh, like grief to some extent with kind of the events that had happened with him, his, with him and, and his band and just yeah. sort of the things that he regretted throughout his life and just kind of there was a lot of like self-deprecation and just kind of like all this like <laughs> inter interwoven just sort of like what you would say, like someone with like poor self-image and stuff. So you right. just kind of have this whole like cocktail of things. Um, and so it was, yeah, that was a little bit surprising to me. I didn't really expect that going into this book. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think the thing that, that uh, going back to the sort of plot thing for a second, a lot of, a lot of books um, or like movies do this a lot yeah. where, you know, they'll, they'll tease like the pivotal, like climax of whatever's going on. And then like, you know, freeze frame or, you know, never explain like, this is how I got here. And then like jump back. And when I first read the the first sentence, I was like, Oh God, like, here we go. Yeah. Like, you know, he's going to be standing on a bridge about to kill himself. And then we're going to recant like all of the, terrible things that happen to get him to this point and then, you know, whatever. And there'll be some cathartic episode and, you know, it'll be fine. And thankfully this book was none of that. No. Like not at all. No. Didn't use that plot device like to to push the narrative forward, which I really liked. And like even in his like state of not wanting to be alive, um, it like it never felt um 
I don't want to say like stereotypical, um, but it, it wasn't very like tongue in cheek when it comes to like what we talk about or think about with depression, especially like in movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, which, you know, and, and, and like, I don't think he was necessarily depressed, but although you can make the argument that, you know, uh, he's telling the story so he could, you know, be sort of sugarcoating the, the, the things that he thinks and feels and he may not, you know, logically get to, I want to kill myself unless he's got some underlying thing. I mean, hell, his very behavior, like not wanting to be in the spotlight probably indicates, you know, there there is something going on um, with him. But, you know, he keeps company and and he goes out yeah. and he does stuff. And I, I don't know. I, so anyway, I'm getting so, I'm getting off. No, you're topic. good. So one of my so this or I'm going to throw in one of my little little blurbs that I mm. pulled out of that I thought was really interesting. Okay. I think ties in with this because I don't know if it's if it's necessarily like, oh, this is depression, but it's more so just kind of, I think this this over, this over sort of overviews a lot of where I think he is mentally. Okay. And it's when he's talking about kind of after the fact, you know, they had, they had gone from kind of relative obscurity to their, you know, they're a big time success. They're making yeah. just fistfuls and tons of cash. And this little passage just stood out to me. He said, my dreams came true, and I discovered that once they did, they were no longer dreams, just new ways of living with their own problems and difficulties. And I think yep. that's that's the summary of the book right there. Yeah. Like, in a lot of ways, that was the one passage to me that kind of, like, over 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 was an overview of just sort of, um, I don't know, everything about this, that it was, you know, it's, he, he, even throughout the course of his, of this, like, there's, like, this meteoric rise in their success. Right, he was right. always just... You know, he talks about the songs that he was writing and he never felt that they were particularly anything special, but that everyone else had already kind of like they had found more in it than he had. And he, you know, he regretted in a lot of ways yeah. like that he didn't go back and 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 challenge himself and, and write more meaningful things and, and do yep. all of this. And so, yeah, a lot of that is just, I guess, you're just seeing this sort of adaptation and how it kind of evolves that he has this this dream, although it doesn't seem that he's ever like too like that it's, it's not something that supremely drives him as like, yep. not, yep. not what you would traditionally think of as a dream. Like usually a dream that someone has is it's a very driving force. It seemed like he was in a lot of ways and he even, he alludes to it in the book that a lot of like what happens for him is it's luck. It's just circumstances. He alludes to a lot of things just kind of being, he was in the right place and things happened, you know, the way they did. And it, it just sort of worked the way that it did. Yeah. So I don't know, but yeah, the idea of, you know, working towards your dreams. And when you get there, you realize that, you know, it's not just your dreams. It's just another situation. It's just another way to live. And it, right, it, it doesn't right. eliminate all of these other, you know, problems that are, that are alive in every facet of human existence, regardless of whether you're a millionaire, whether you're not, you know, whether yep. whatever your, your current state or situation or your relationships or anything like that. And that to me is the, that to me is the whole kind of core theme in this book is just this idea of you have there's no kind of escaping this yeah. these these feelings and these these pressures and these confusing um just confusing relationships in life yeah and you know the the thing that's interesting and you know uh, jumping way ahead all the way to the end is like you know he he goes um, and you know, seeks out Gene because that's yeah. like his. That's the thing that he feel like he feels like he's been missing out on. Right? Yeah, that would like, be his. If if you had to kind of like 
put it in stereotype, but that would be his like one that got away. Yeah. And so he, he goes and, you know, gives up everything, you know, to, to go, you know, be with her. And, um, not that that was a necessary action to, to do that necessarily, but, um, the, the thing that's interesting is, you know, he gives up this, this lifestyle with, with these, these certain problems and she's got a kid. She lives, you know, out in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to, he's going to pick up a whole bunch of other problems, you know, if he stays with her, uh, and, and, you know, they get married or whatever. I mean, having a kid in and of itself is a, a, a huge thing. So, you know, I think that, uh, I think it's, it's interesting because you can kind of see how, outside of the book the plot that sort of like uh theme would continue yeah like into his you know sort of now i'm glad you touched on the ending what did you think about the ending because it felt very i don't know it felt very i it it seems like tailor made for a movie where you kind of have this like sort of you know i'm gonna sell all my possessions i'm gonna go after this one that was kind of the one that got away at christmas yeah it wasn't very not that the whole book you know there was a lot of like sentimental little nuggets and things throughout the entirety book but this just kind of felt like it really bumped all of that up a notch and that was the one thing that i did uh you know it it i did when i finished reading the book i was satisfied with the way that it ended but I I did think that the last the last bit of this book and and the way that it ended did feel a little bit different than I guess everything preceding up to it. And I, kind of uh in kind of a maybe there was this pressure to sort of wrap it up in a relatively positive way cuz I could have seen this book, you know, as we're progressing, I could have seen this book going a few number of ways. Um yeah, yeah. and I felt like it took kind of the the safest approach with its him just sort of trying to reconcile with Gene and realizing that that was kind of the the thing that he was missing from his life throughout all of those years that he, I don't know, that he really seemingly wasn't very, wasn't very happy or was just kind of along Existing, yeah. yeah. I, I don't, I had, I had two problems, I think, with the ending. The the first one being the, the whole Gene se- sequence because I, I, don't understand necessarily how he how he came around to the idea that like that was that was what he wanted um because you know you see these these interjections of their interaction at a few times throughout and but they're never like um they're they're never like big um impulses for him like being drawn to her um, they're just sort of that, like, uh, you know, sort of first love thing, right? Like, you know, wh- whoever, you know, your first, uh, girlfriend was or, or first person you were with or whatever, there's like always some like thing in the, in or first serious relationship. There's always some thing in the back of your mind where you're like, well, what, you know, what might've happened if, sure. you know, she had done this differently, I'd done this differently, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, so like, I, I didn't really get why that was his like terminal decision. And then like my biggest thing was why give everything away? Like I struggled with that part of it. I get that he didn't want, um, the, the spotlight and he didn't want the fame, um, you know, and he's living under a pseudonym and, and he's ostensibly a hermit. Um, so I, I could get from that perspective that he doesn't want to deal with any of that. So he's willing to give it away, but the money was never really the, like the problem for, for him, uh, from a narrative perspective. So yeah. I, I don't know. 
I don't know why he made that decision. And I felt like it, to your point, was just sort of like to start tying things up. Like I was going to kill myself, but now I'm going to like interject this stuff into other people's lives. Yeah. And I'm going to go off and be a normal dude and go marry the the normal girl that, you know, I should have. Um, I, I don't know. It just it felt it fell a little flat with me, I think is the, is the way to say it. I mean, you need to only look to the book, Ryan, and he explains it perfectly oh, right do, here. And do yet you, another do you have it? Snippet number two. Oh my two. God, this is working out uh-uh. perfectly. I got it ready for you. Here you go. All right. There are times when you can't do the sensible thing, mm-hmm. when you can't act like a responsible adult at all. You just have to do whatever insane thing comes into your head. When bad people do it, they end up murderers. When good people do it, they end up heroes. And when the rest of us do it, we end up looking like total idiots. But when's that ever stopped us? Yeah, it feels it's, you know, it's an impulsive thing. It's he's he's got it in his mind that this is what he's going to do. And I feel like at this point in his life, he's just kind of been living so reclusively that it's anything, anything at that point to kind of get away from that. I don't know that part of his life or that. I can, I can understand that, that maybe it's not yeah. even so much that it's like, ah, I don't want the money because of this, that maybe it's, you know, it's just, he just wants to, he wants to go to some type of normalcy maybe that he thinks that he could have had, right. had his, had his timeline diverged a little bit from the one that he'd been on or had he had brought uh gene along with him, which was a question that I, that I did. One of the few that I did have for this book was there was a point early in the novel where he's about to be going on tour with the band and. You know, he and Gene, um, they weren't really, I don't know, they weren't really like together together. This was kind of right. after after the fact a little bit. But he had seriously considered um, bringing her along with him. And uh, it was it was a it was a weird passage to listen to or to read just because you get a lot of insight into kind of like his the the process that he was going about in his mind before. You know, and and then just sort of the the counter to that whenever he eventually decided that it wasn't the right thing for him to do at that time and that he was going to kind of just leave everything in his life at that point, you know, behind that he wanted to kind of move past that and do his own thing to experience that without any interference, I guess. But if you if you went back and and thought, okay, if he brings Gene along with him, what do you think? How how do you think it it changes the narrative, or do you think it changes the narrative? Do you think it's just something where it's like, eh, you know, it doesn't work out, and they just the same thing happens, you know, six months a year or whatever later, or do you think it actually changes kind of the dynamic within um, within the band? Because you know, you had the yeah. whole dynamic when when he had Inez and and uh, Davy and and Catherine and them, and it's just you know, I think that in a lot of ways that maybe not necessarily led to their downfall because, you know, a lot of it is kind of attributed to just dumb circumstantial stuff. But I don't know. I'm talking a lot. What do you yeah, think? I, you know, I, I think it's hard because we never really get like a, a great picture of who Jean is or like what she's about. She's just kind of, uh, she just sort of exists, right? And so like it's it's hard to say without knowing like her personality like how things would have clashed, but you know, it, I don't think it's too much of a stretch of the imagination to assume that had he brought her along, which was when he signed the record deal for yeah. their first album. So early in the process that at some point that relationship would have been strained or probably destroyed by the trappings of fame, whether it's, you know, drugs, 
uh, women, his fellow bandmates, backup singers, like, yeah. you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, you, you see it a lot in, in, you know, books, uh, or books, movies about, uh, um, you know, athletes making it big or just sort of the making it big. Any, you know, yeah. Narrative, any, right. There's always somebody that's like left behind. And I think Gene would have become that sort of like trope had, uh, had she gone off. Um, because I, I don't know. I, I, I don't ever feel like he ever really became too untethered, at least the way that he tells us the story. Um, he very much seemed like the same shy person, you know, uh, before, during and after sort yeah. of his, the, the, the main part of his. Yeah. Fame. There's never really a point where it's, it, he kind of fully embraces the whole rock star. No, he's always very. And I think a lot of that too, is when you look at kind of the origins, uh, you always have that he's from kind of a lower class area in Scotland. Right. And so he kind of is always very reserved with that. Even when it's, you know, they have so much money and, you know, Davy is like buying planes and they're on, you know, private islands and shit like that. Right, you know, right. he's very, it always seems like he's a little bit disconnected from that. Yeah. And, and even like, you know, him trying to sort of live like by being humble and, you know, um, even the act of giving his money away. Yeah. I mean, he still references he bought a fucking island and he had a castle, yeah. like an estate up in the highlands and stuff. And so, I mean, he wasn't exactly like, you know, like the drummer. I forget the drummer's name that like sh they mentioned him one time. Uh, yeah, two or, or three twice. times. Yeah. Not so, very important to the yeah, overall. But, but they said he just shelled money away and stayed out of the limelight and, yeah. you know, invested and whatever. And so he's clearly not that guy either. So right. I think we get sort of a, um, a whitewash a little bit with, with Dan's or Daniel's own retelling of of things. Well, I think um, a lot of it is, I guess he just seems reserved compared to Davey because you just see Davey, sure. the whole just process of their rise to fame. And Davey would be like your traditional, like he's the front man who just like gets way too yeah. deep into drugs and money and he's got to go to rehab and they do like a, a, a coming back tour or whatever later. And right. maybe that would have been in this book had he not been killed um, yeah. by a fog machine. Yeah. It's okay. So, First of all, Dave, that that whole sequence up to like the the was it the three stacks uh, like circuit um, that he did with the oh airplane. yeah with the airplane um, that whole sequence I thought was one of my favorite parts of the book. It's pretty like, good with with like him uh, thinking he's in the flight simulator for a second oh and opening the door and like yeah it's just that that whole thing was extremely funny to me but uh, but also just I I think it could have been done very poorly and it was not. Um, so uh, one thing I, I was going to ask you about, so, so Davey dies because of the, of the smoke, the wall. Right. Of, uh, what did they call that? Do you remember? He had like a hole. It was like a, uh, convex. Uh, or, I, don't I don't know. He had a, he had a crazy name for it. I, I should have written it down. Um, so he had that thing which, from the big old smoke machine thingy yeah, on the stage the, at the, a big show. The smoke curtain. in Miami, yeah, uh, the curtain of smoke that kills kills Davy. Yeah, electrocuted. Um, that's a terrible way to go. Yeah, Jesus. That on stage in front of people, I'm sure that's that's not a that's yeah. not a pleasant memory either. Okay, and then Christine gets gets shot, and he goes through his explanation, saying that you know his dealings with uh the press early on and and uh religious people yeah and could then have, like could have led to that and so. well it even like encouraging her to have you know the, the whole crucifix. Inner, the whole crucifix that yeah. she comes down off of that kind of 
incensed fundamentalist to the point of shooting her. So like my 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 only like super book clubby question today is is it Daniel's fault that those two died? No. I mean I you okay, you could see it both ways in that I can understand in his mind why he thinks it's his fault because he was very much a big I don't know, creative influence on both of both of the events that eventually led to them dying. But sure. no, it's not his fault. I mean, there's both of them were well, one was, you know, a completely freak accident that happened, I guess, uh, in a lot of ways it happened because of their, I guess, just lack of preparation or yeah. they're just kind of like haphazardly putting things together, you know, on their tour. And then in Christine's case, you know, that's just a matter of having a crazy person shoot you. So no, I don't think it's Daniel's fault. I think that he obviously feels guilt and, you know, yeah. you see that expressed in the book when he talks about it, that he, you know, he killed them, you know, even going back to your, um, your story when they're doing the, the, the stacks run. And yeah. He's yeah. like, I'm going to kill you. And then the end of that whole like little bit is, you know, I did three yeah, weeks three later weeks by later, accident yeah. in Miami. And it's just like, well, obviously he feels as though he's responsible for their death, but you know, from an outside, if you're reading it, no, I don't think that he's responsible for it. But then, like, the the way that he tells the story is that, you know, these guys probably weren't going anywhere as a, as a band. Like, these are middle class kids, you know, with Sure, with they were futures. doing covers and... So he comes in with, he comes in with the music and, you know, they, they go run off. And again, you know, some of that could be perspective, right? Like, he's right. overstating his influence, but... If you go all the way back to the beginning, you could argue that, you know, Christine would be, you know, a housewife somewhere or have a job and, and doing her thing. And Davey would be, I don't remember what his college stuff was, was looking like. But if you go back to like the whole beginning of everything, like, I, I don't know, I think Daniel, uh, you could understand his his sense of guilt. Sure. For everything. Well, that's what and I agree. I think like I can definitely understand, you know, I guess if it was if I was in an instance and. I was adamant about having some type of prop <laughs> or, or some sort of special effects at a show and that ended up causing, you know, what had happened, then yeah, I would feel tremendous guilt about that. And with Christine, if it was something that I had jokingly or or had thought of previously as as some sort of shock gimmick to sort of like shove it to those people that had kind of rallied against them as as this like satanic band and yeah, you know, then the in the way that she was killed then yeah i would definitely feel guilt and feel grief about that but yeah again from an outside perspective no i wouldn't say he was guilty of it yeah i i mean i don't know i think it's his fault <laughs> okay. that's, my, that's my hot you're hot just book trying to be you're today. just trying to be contrarian is yeah, that what it is that's that's exactly we can't it. agree on everything the whole episode so we're just you know, gonna be somewhat contrarian one one interesting thing uh that Actually, two interesting things from your from your quotes. Okay, that I've got uh, more too, so they'll so, be more interesting. So you you made mention of like uh, at the point where he was talking about like music critics and stuff, like reading into everything. Yeah, and it just like brought me back to the reason that we do this podcast, or that like the way that I approach this podcast sure. in the first place is like not doing like a literary analysis. No, and, like I was just I was just thinking about how nice it is to like sit back and have a conversation about a book instead of like applying it toward like some theoretical like analysis. Sure. And, like, sure. Ugh. So, and I always, you know, I, I, 
the same thing if I if I'm going out and if I'm like talking about a movie. And yeah. I like I like to relate books a lot to movies because I love going and seeing movies and stuff like that. But just having a conversation with someone on that versus like reading a critical like a critic's opinion of it. It's right. just it's very I don't know, it's very it's it's less engaging. I like just sort of engaging in what feels very natural whenever you're reading a book or whenever you're taking in a, a movie or music or anything like that. And that's just you know Oh, these are these are just little snippets of ideas right. that I heard, and I don't need to I don't need to put it through a microscope of analysis beyond just whatever interesting tidbit I think it may it may say to me and, as and, a reader. You know, I think for for most writers, and, and certainly there are ones out there, you know, that uh, try to be a, a a little bit more literary with stuff, and not that not yeah. that Ian Banks isn't by any means, but. Um, I think for the most part, the more I write, the more I realize like sometimes the things that you put on paper are just meant to be like face value. Right. And sure. I think a lot of this book, especially compared to some of the other ones we've read. Yeah. Like this is this is very like face value kind of stuff. Like this is not meant to be, a, a you know, allusions to all of these different yeah. things or like, no. you know, uh, he doesn't use complex literary devices like throughout it was just it, the the way that it was. I think that that sort of sentiment that that Daniel has about his music is the same sort of thing about the book, and it's I guess a little bit tongue in cheek for for Banks to maybe say it, maybe. in my opinion. Uh, but I thought it I thought it was I thought it was really interesting. And then the the other thing that I thought of when you were reading the um, the passage about. Um, uh, you know, where, where people do stupid thing. things. Yeah. The yeah sensible whether you're thing. doing the sensible things or not. And like he's, he contradict like his actions contradict, uh, or I should say the result of his actions contradict his like sentiment there because I mean, we're led to believe that he is essentially gets the girl at the end, and, right. you know, through this like heroic action. So I thought that was kind of, yeah, ironic but he's and, like, I've just, you know, the rest too. of us just look foolish and, yeah. and all this stuff. And it's like, well, you know, the way that the books kind of, ended is that we're to believe that it that it worked that he is to sort of continue you know with whatever life that he's wanting in that in that moment with gene and yeah so yeah it is kind of strange that it's not exactly what you know he'd actually even alluded to yeah, I, I so I, I just had those two thoughts. Okay, you have like several pages. I have a bunch of, of quotes. Let's, we don't have to count. get all of them. Just some well, of these. Let's, I, let's I don't know. Some of these. Because I, I have some too. Actually. Okay, just some of these that I read. This one for me, I'll, I'll throw this one out there first because this one felt like really, um, it didn't really fit in a lot with it. it was I I I read it and I thought it was interesting, but I didn't think it really fit in a lot. It it kind of seemed. Like it was something that maybe Ian Banks just kind of put in there that I didn't really tie in a ton with the previous story. But maybe, I don't know, maybe okay. you got a little something from it. So uh, this was towards the end. He said, the only thinking animal on the planet and what do we spend most of our time trying not to do? Correct. We join armies. We enter monasteries or nunneries. We adopt the party line. We'll believe what we read in ancient books or shit newspapers or what we're told by plastic politicians. And all we're ever trying to do is give someone else the responsibility for thinking. And it was an interesting thought, yeah. but again, it was when I heard it, I was like, oh, but that, I don't know. I don't know where that fit in the rest of the book. So I didn't know if like maybe you'd read that and, and, and picked that up or anything or. Yeah, I think there are a lot of like little asides there. And I mean, so Banks would have been uh, roughly 30, I think, when he wrote this. He was born in 54. 
Yeah, so he'd have been about 33. 30, so, 32, 33. Yeah. So, he's, so he's, he's like our age. So my guess is, you know, he's lived a, a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously he's got work experience. He went he went to university. Um, so he's got these things where, like, as writers, you sort of collect these ideas. And I think that's just like him interjecting uh, his personal opinion in that in a way. And the reason that I say this is because he was also really involved in politics yeah. later in his life. So like he was part of uh, trying to push for Tony Blair's impeachment and then the the Scottish uh, independence referendum a couple okay. of years back. So I think that's just like, I think that's Ian Banks more than that's just, that uh, Dan, that's what I figured Dan. that a lot of that was like, I'm the author and I kind of want to yeah. insert this in while we're just getting into this. Cause this, like I said, this is towards the end when he's just sort of uh, Daniel is just like he's just in his head very much for a lot of the things and, and he's thinking about Gene and, yeah. and kind of this whole situation with his with his living will and just kind of how crazy everything is going on and it it felt a little bit disjointed. So I thought that maybe it was yep. just kind of like, Hey, here's something I think that I'm just gonna throw in there. We're just gonna give it to Daniel because I yeah. wanted I wanted to fit this this idea into my book somewhere. I, I think that's what it is. What other what other quotes you got? Um I got some about Gene that I thought were really interesting. Not so much on like, oh, how they uh, relate to the plot, but just interesting in when you look at the way that I guess he thinks about Gene versus kind of the actions that he's taken throughout his life. It's, uh-huh. I don't know. It's a little strange. So the first one I had was whenever he was, uh, he was contemplating about bringing her along, um, with him, uh, yeah. when they had just yep. signed before eventually deciding against it. So this is what he was thinking. There was a quivering, terrifying, but incredibly exciting, almost sexually intense feeling in my belly as I thought about asking Gene to come with me. It was like the feeling I used to get playing chess in the school club when I'd set up some trap or had seen a brilliant game-winning move, but it was my opponent's move, and I was sitting there trying not to tremble or sweat, praying that they wouldn't see the danger they were in. Uh, the same feeling I used to get in class, knowing I had something to say and toying with uh, or, and trying to pluck up the courage to say it. The words were forming like a song in my mind, but would it be right to speak them? I thought that was really, I, I, I don't know, just a really like relatable passage in a sense of yeah. invoking that feeling of like describing that type of like in the pit of your stomach when you kind of have that like really, I don't know, nervous, but it, it kind of has a tinge of excitement of, of like, yeah, of like excitement and whether it's sexually charged with someone else or something of, but just that, I think that that did a really good job of kind of playing into that that thought. Um, then I can go to the other one that I yeah. had about Gene. That was it was later on when he was uh, he had heard about Gene. This was after she was married and had a kid and blah 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 blah. He said, "I thought about Gene Webb and experienced and experienced a strange sense of loss, regret. Married a mother. I'd have liked to seen her again, but it'd been a long time ago, and I wasn't sure what it was. I felt a sense of something like incompleteness when I thought about her." It was as though she was somebody I should have known fully, perfectly, and then parted from, older and wiser, still good friends. Instead, somehow, we had never got that far. I messed it up as usual, clumsy uh, clumsy uh, to the core of my being. Yeah. So it's, I don't know, that was always weird. It's because you read those and it's like, I, like I can understand these, these underlying feelings that he's had. And it, it, I think it does a lot of work in helping me kind of get to this end point that we're at at the end of the story when you see him kind of going having you sure, can almost see sure. him having those feelings again although he doesn't go into like description of them when he when he meets Jean and Dawn her daughter yeah, at the end yeah. but just sort of his mannerisms and all that you can kind of see all of those things like welling up and coming back up to the surface and yeah so I thought it was really interesting just going back and kind of like tying those together that it 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 helped me 
it helped me accept the end a little bit more, even though I still felt like it was kind of one of those like, ah, we got to type loose ends type of type of things. Yeah. You know, I, I think what, what what's weird about that passage is and, and several times throughout is where sort of uh, Daniel addresses. I don't like you calling him Daniel. Like everybody else called him like Dan, Just call weird. Danny. Just call weird. him weird. I don't, I don't know where I. I don't know, whatever. It's so it's his name. I'm just going to keep calling him Daniel. Just call him weird. I'm like his mother. Uh, but at any rate, um, you know, you get you get a lot of uh, a lot of points where he sort of interjects his like very personal like introspection of yeah, himself, his, his feelings. But and... but most of the book isn't that. Like it's yeah. it's little pieces, little paragraphs like that, and you know most of them are you know said in a word or an action or whatever, and. Uh, you know, if you just think about, um, I'm tying this into one of the ones that I actually okay. highlighted because I don't usually do this. Like, I don't like have quotables, but I, I, I don't I do that. I don't do this normally when yeah. I read a book. But it was something about when I was listening to the story that was that was what kind of lashed onto me. It was they were very very, like you said, it was they were interspersed amidst like just kind of narrative. You know what's going on in the story, and then you get these right. like little outbursts of his feelings and his thoughts and emotions at the time. And I thought it really did a good job. Like this is one of the few characters that I've read about that like actually like I really gave a shit about Dan. Yeah, like this, and I've said it before. The thing that that draws me into a story is I I want to know about these characters. I want to give a shit about them. I want right. to care about them. And some of the other stories that we read, it's just been it's like I don't care about these characters or I can't be bothered to really invest a lot into them. And this was the opposite of that. And I thought that. I thought that Banks did a really, really, really good job of getting you to care about weird. Let's see if we're just going to go yeah. weird now. Weird, okay. Getting you to care about weird just because you got so much of that and you got it in appropriate doses and you got it in appropriate times and you got it very well paced out throughout the unfolding of kind of all these events that led up to it. And that's why I think that this, uh, over every other book that we've read, this is the first time that I've been able to actually pull these things out and go like, this yeah. to me was the heart of the book. It was. It was... This, these were the little truth nuggets that were that were kind of in there amidst the the story, and the story itself is really interesting. But I think that this is what truly made me enjoy the book because it's yeah. you get it's it's like you're you you get a, a human experience, even though it's a fictional character, you can relate to them, you can understand them, you can see you know a lot of yourself in the things that they say and do and think, and you know I I love that. I love my characters yeah. to be relatable even if they're you know even if we have nothing in common there's a human thread that's relatable and that that is a lot of kind of our emotional center and the things that we think about. So this was great. I loved it. Yeah, I I think I think one of the things that intrigued me about Daniel and that I think about quite often is like I find it difficult sometimes to like be sort of present um, in like, you know, situations or some, sometimes even conversations. I mean, sometimes, I mean, we've, we've had to cut episodes a couple times cause my couple mind, times. my mind will, will wander yeah. off to some, not, not that like, uh, I'm thinking about other things, but like, uh, I'll, I'll have a response that I'm considering and then it just like leaves my brain. Um, because often I'm like paying attention to what you're saying and yeah. I, f I forget, you know, Hey, I've, I've got to have something to That's say. That's why I take too. detailed notes, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm the same way. Yeah. So, um, the thing that was interesting to me about Daniel was just sort of how relatable he was in that regard. And there was, there was a quote, um, where he's talking about himself. One of the, the sort of few introspective moments where he says, uh, part of me is always detached, observing, watching the way, uh, watching the other people around me 
reacting to how they react and not what they're reacting to. This was one that I that I had noted, but I did not write down because okay. at this point I had already written like twelve of them down. So I'm like, I'm yeah. not going to include this one, but I'm really glad that you did. Yeah, that whole I think that that is relatable and and, and not in like a you know typically whenever you talk about people and their personality types, you know, it's like introvert, extrovert, or whatever. But right. I think the reality of it is, is regardless of whether you're you fall into a predominantly one category or another, I think that that's a really relatable thing. That in a lot of ways you can become kind of detached from the things that are going on immediately in your life and become more, I don't know, more, you take your cues and things from, from reactions of others sure, as opposed sure. to just having sort of that real, um, real emotional reaction to whatever it is you're doing or seeing or partaking right. in. And yeah, I thought that was a really interesting quote. I'm glad you highlighted that Ryan. I, you know, and it goes back to, I, I don't think we've talked about it on this podcast before, but like, you know, the, sort of the, uh, the short term gratification of like social media interaction and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I, th- I think, you know, obviously social media wasn't, uh, in existence in 1987. 1987 yeah. Uh, you know, but I think that, um, I, that to me spoke on a lot of different levels, just, you know, in my own life and the way that the, the world operates today, like, you know, there's sort of this renewed focus on like, you know, being present. Right. And like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of, uh, uh, I don't know. It feels hokey to, to, to say it kind of, uh, you know, like namaste, you know, sort <laughs> of yogi, but, um, you know, I think when you really sit down and consider, uh, you know, how you, view the world and how you interact with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of times we're as people more worried about people's perception of us right. than we are of whatever's happening in, in that moment. Yeah. So I, I don't know that just like that really rang a bell with me for, for some reason. Uh, what other, what other quotes did, um, did you have? So kind of on that notable? same, you know, I, I had a few more, there was a lot that kind of overlapped. Um, but one, he was talking about an as, and this was just kind of like speaking, to his sort of self-deprecating nature just throughout the entirety of the book. He's, you know, he always describes himself as this like hulking, gangling, like monster, yeah. you know, hook, hook nose. nose. Like, yeah. So, you know, it's uh, okay. So he's talking about Inez. So he says, I think, uh, I think she was the only one who ever really hurt me just because I eventually did believe that it might last. It never crossed my mind before or after that a relationship I might have with a woman would prove permanent. I always assumed they were taking pity on me or merely satisfying their curiosity or had made some uncharacteristic mistake in a moment of weakness, which I thought was, I don't know how much of that, because see, prior to this, he's he's going through this whole, I don't know, he's having this moment where he's thinking of all these people that are not, not so much Gene, but kind of like since he's been with the band and been, and he's thinking about Inez and a little bit about Christine and just yeah. kind of I, just kind of that like detached feeling of, I don't know, just the connectivity with someone beyond, I guess, like superficial things or, or just or, or just a sense of like, oh, we're together because we're in a circumstance or it's advantageous or, you know, we're right. just kind of going right. with it or whatever. And I thought that was interesting because, again, the whole counterplay to that is, you know, he has these very sort of superficial feelings about himself. But I, I don't think there's ever a point in the book where he's like he he has that same like degree of self-deprecation when he's thinking about himself and Gene. And I think a lot of that just is because she was, you know, before he got into this whole this whole mindset and this whole lifestyle. Yeah. And I don't know. I just I thought it was interesting. You know, one, one of the things that, that just draws something with me. 
one of the things that I thought was was really strange um, about the whole Inez sequence was when uh, when oh my god who was the uh, who was the other uh, musician they were at his house for the big party who had the uh, microphones everywhere in his house I just blanked that's um, any rate so, uh, so when they go out to the cliff okay. and he turns on the the strobe lights oh, and yeah. Davy Davy and Inez he doesn't really react he to doesn't. that he doesn't even react to it really later well he talks about like, it he said you know it, in a way it was uh it was it was like startling to him and unsettling to him that this had been happening for so long and was right. so just so in secret between them and that supposedly after that incident that they just stopped yeah that that was he said even that was even more unsettling to him that right. it was just that that was just something that had happened but yeah you're right there wasn't a real there wasn't a real, you know, like what you would expect a reaction from yeah, that. Yeah, he didn't like fly off the handle. He just he said something to the effect of, hey, let's just go grab another beer. And, yeah. like, you know, that's that's that. But I think, yeah, well, a lot of that just kind of filters into his detachment from exactly. that whole situation. Exactly. And just, just everything in his life at that point. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's how he that's that's him in general. Right. It's just like he is an observer of everything else that's happening around him. I mean, hell, his his place on the stage, he wanted to be, you know, in the background and you yeah. know, write the music and and uh, and let everybody else perform it and, you know, stay out of the spotlight. I mean, that is his M.O. That's just who he is as a person, it seems. Or at yeah. least that's who he tells us he is as a person. Yeah. Um, and I don't really see any reason to not find to him not trust, believe him trustworthy. Yeah. I just had a little a little one off. I thought was funny. The the premise okay. of this is he was with uh, he was with Inez in some bathroom, whatever, and he's like flexing, and he's you know when I look at the male body naked, especially, I wonder how on earth women can take men seriously. And she, you know, fires back at him. What makes you think we take them seriously? <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, I understand that. I appreciate that. I had a uh, I had another uh, one liner where. Uh, where uh, we Tommy and uh, and uh, Daniel are uh, getting high on the on the whipped on cream, the whip it. yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah the, the nitrous oxide. So uh, I just I, I don't know for for some reason I, I think I was reading this late at night. I, I just found this this funny, and uh, Tommy basically uh, says, you know, well I, I don't I don't feel smashed. And uh, and then Daniel just just goes, uh, no, you you still look glazed. And I don't know why, but like that glazed, like, you know, somebody gets high or somebody like, uh, you know, gets drunk or something. We have all these like funny, at least, you know, in America, we ha- we have certain things that we say, like, you, yeah. know, you look hammered, you, you know, whatever, whatever. But you look glazed was just like to me the perfect like way of describing somebody who's high yeah. you just have that like expressionless like glossy <laughs> <line. laughs> fair know. enough I, yeah. I, I don't know why but i just i was laughing in bed when uh he's just like no you look this book glazed. yeah i will say this a lot of it you when you kind of get into the book a little bit and you get there's a lot of uh just the dialogue and, and everything the way that it's written and the way that the story's told it's very you know regional with the dialects and there's a lot of colloquialisms and stuff but Man, it was it. I, I did really appreciate the humor in this book. I I enjoyed it throughout. I did too. And that I think was just that kind of a an instance of that where you just have these like little just I don't know moments that you they're not like uproarious. You're not just you know going out of your way just like 
blowing out the seams and you know on the side of your shirt or anything. <laughs> but yeah, it was funny. So anything else? Are we ready to rate this? Thing? I, I was I was gonna say it's last call on uh, on normal part of the episode because we got to get to rating, buddy. I'm I'm good, man. Um, and I'll go first on ratings because this is my favorite book that we've done so far on the show. Uh, right. So it's we've got a running tally, so it's dethroned so much blue now. So yeah, I'm gonna put it top shelf. Um, I'm I had already put in to order a, uh, a physical copy of the book since I didn't have one of those, and it should be here in like four weeks, which is kind of crazy to think yeah. in the day that we live in. But yeah, so physical copy of it, it's going on my top shelf. I'm gonna actually read it when I get the opportunity to like go through and 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 go through and give it another comb over once again. But uh, yeah, I would recommend it. Highly recommend it. Um, Loved it. It was my favorite book so far. It was the as far as as far as characters that we've dealt with so far. Um, this was the first one that I think I really, 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 really was brought to give a shit about. I mean, yeah. there there were others that it's like, okay, I can I understand this character's motivations and I kind of care about what happens to them. This was the first book where I was like, man, I really enjoy and appreciate how well this character has been developed for me, the reader. Yeah, I I hate to sound like a like a broken record, but um, I I actually have to agree. Like yeah. of of every book that we've read, um, I you know it really was the the most enjoyable one. Um, I, I I think the the one thing that I I took away from this was less about the book and and more about the writer. Yeah. In that like, Banks has a style. Um, that I really, really uh, like. And he's the first writer that we've encountered so far. Other than like Everett, I, I know I already, I already yeah. like Everett, but I had the same reaction to him years ago. But, uh, you know, Banks, like I want to read more stuff. Absolutely. I, I want to read some of his sci-fi at some point. We'll give sci-fi uh, another try. Yeah. yeah, well, I feel like it, it, it's it's a writer we both enjoyed a book of. Absolutely. He, he's known for sci-fi. He is you know, renowned for, for being a, a good sci-fi writer. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, at some point down the line, we need to make a, make another jaunt into the, into that genre. Yeah. And I think Banks, yeah, I mean, if he can vote to do it, if he can write sci-fi with characters like this, yeah, I'm all for it. All right. Yeah. So top shelf, like definitely I'm, I'm actually going to buy a physical copy too. Just, you know, cause I like to have physical copies of books yeah. and, uh, I don't mind spending money twice on a on a book that I enjoy. I uh, um, spend it three times. Well, technically, I got it for free on Audible because I have the token thing, but I have the Kindle version of it that I'll never use. At some point, I need to do the Audible thing. I it's great for nonfiction. I'll say that yeah. I'm not for fiction. It's because I, I can't really like passively listen to fiction. Fair enough. I got to kind of like get into it and digest everything that's going on. Nonfiction, you know, it's like I'll just if I if I kind of was like hazy on a chapter, I'll just go back and read it later. It doesn't matter. The the one thing and then we can wrap the episode uh, that you did miss out by having to listen to it is like you heard obviously this the Scottish dialect. But yeah. Ian Banks did a really good job of uh, putting it in uh, in writing to where um to where anybody that was reading it got the the Scottish dialect. I'm struggling to think of the phonetics. Yeah, it's just uh, the of, phonetic of uh, of the, way of the dialect. Written. And he didn't do it all the time. He just he would do it periodically, more so with like we Tommy and McCann. I think to drive home sort of their their stuff. But um, yeah, he did a fantastic job of that. And I think it's fantastic because sometimes it's hard to hear ourselves. And he was Scottish, so yeah. you know to to be able to draw out those things that. Um, that you say colloquially, 
um, and phonetically, I think is a testament to him too. So, anyway, was, I meant to say that earlier. No. Couldn't couldn't end the episode without it. So great, great book, top shelf, good pick, Ryan. I appreciate you, you going out and being lazy and just having someone else tell you what to pick. But it worked out for us, and we found at least a new author. I that, went all uh, the way to Scotland for a recommendation. Oh my God, you were a saint. <laughs> um, so our next book, which you're not going to have to buy a physical copy of, because I've already gotten you a physical a copy of. Yes, is going to be Inherent Vice by Thomas Pinchon. All right. Um, so it's interesting. I remember, uh, I guess it was Paul Thomas Anderson. I don't know. A movie came out uh, in 2014 about this book. I never, never heard about the story or whatever. And I remember I had seen snippets of that movie. I don't think I watched it completely all the way through. It had Joaquin Phoenix in it. But okay. essentially, it's this is kind of like a drug-fueled 60s. The, the Our main character is kind of a private eye, and he's, you know, he's, his girlfriend or his ex-girlfriend has come to him, and there's this sort of plot to kidnap this billionaire, and it's just this, this whole kind of just noir 60s, you know, drug-psychedelic romp. And I Excellent. thought that that would be I thought that that would be a nice little tie-in after coming off of Espadere Street. Uh, Espadere Street. We'll kind of stay in that same uh, we'll stay in that same wheelhouse a little bit. So we're gonna give this a read, and I uh, I hope it's good. I've I my my last few suggestions I haven't necessarily enjoyed them as much. You've enjoyed yeah. Well, you enjoyed the plot against America. Neither of us enjoyed Foundation, but <laughs> I'm hoping that I'm hoping that this will be. I'm hoping that this will be good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited. This is this is something I I don't know anything about. So, but Pachon, you know, pretty pretty famous writer. Got Gravity's Rainbow, Crying of Lot, forty eight. Is it forty nine? It's forty eight. I. You've never read any Thomas Pinchon? Okay. I, dude, I literally never heard of this writer, never heard of this book. Wow, I'm, okay. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that says something more about me than it does about him, probably. No, maybe but. I've, I've, I've heard, I've just never, I've never read Inherent Vice. And this is a pretty recent work. I think this was written in 2009. Okay. I may need okay. to, I may need to make an edit to that on the next episode. But yeah, so Inherent Vice by Thomas Pinchon coming up very next episode and then after that, of course, will be Ryan's selection that I'm sure he's toiling away thinking about what we're going to read afterwards. So. No, I'm I'm almost almost sure that I'm going to double down on my uh, UK okay writers. Are we going to spoil it now? Go ahead and give the two episodes out. Or are we going to save it? Uh, so the book after this one will be announced in next week's oh episode. So you're going to have to listen, read All along right, with us. Enough. Thank you for being here this week and uh, and listening to us chat. We appreciate it. Uh, we wouldn't make episodes without you. Actually, that's a lie. We'd still continue. Yeah, probably. Uh, but we do appreciate seeing numbers and people actually listening. So, till next time.